Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. In Beneath the Citadel, the children of the Rebellion struggle against all of the forces of prophecy to carry on their parents' legacy. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin, and we have a guest for today's episode. Hi, I'm Christian from the Lazy Gringo Podcast. All right. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me read. It's been a long time (laughs) since I've read a book, to be completely honest with you. Well, oh, we're we're glad you joined us for this one. Um, <laughs> so for our factions, we have Cassa, Evander, Alice, Newt, Vesper, Ansel, the Council, and Solon, and Mira. Uh, for our first topic. It is child abuse with a little bit of a focus on Newt here, but they all, all of the kids have something going on. Um, who wants to start? Uh, I'll let, I'll let y'all start, but yeah, you, you hit it. All the, all the kids got, uh, can I cuss on this podcast? Uh, Prefer not to? Prefer not to? Okay. All the kids. Uh, all of the kids have their own things going on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll let like, y'all start. But let's maybe Newt... start with like, yeah, Newt's the most direct, mm-hmm. obvious. This is definitely child abuse one, but there's a lot of systemic stuff going on with Evander and Alice. Um, but Newt, he was like trained by his dad to be like vigilant and paranoid and fast and there's a bit where he he notices that he wasn't constantly paranoidly paying attention to his surroundings and it's at the very very end of the book and i think i think that comment is meant to show like growth and kind of getting away from his past a bit Mm. um because it's a moment where he realizes that he has been able to relax but that's at the very end he spends a lot of the book with 
little things sprinkled in where we slowly get this picture of all the stuff his dad was putting him through. So I wanted to real quick highlight a piece of that with Newt. Um, so part of what Newt's dad does is trains him to pop certain joints in and out of place. And that over time in the book, we know kind of degrades his joint stability to the point where by the time our story starts, he has to actually take bandages and basically strap his joints together. <laughs> um, and uh, we we kind of wanted to highlight this a little bit because I, for different reasons, have a similar issue where uh, my joints, particular ones especially, but in general, don't necessarily stay where they're supposed to be. And when I was in middle school and high school, I took ace bandages and would just kind of wrap up the joint that was doing the worst that day. Uh, I also really, I had this whole routine figured out of like ace bandage, tight clothing layer, loose clothing layer <laughs> to kind of like hold myself together, essentially. Um, I've had a couple of injuries that now, you know, after they were healed, we've kind of looked at and figured out like, oh, this is probably because these joints weren't super stable and that, and then I had an issue with that actually caused injury. Um, different, different things like that. And, uh, and so it's, it's very rare to ever really see, like, even, even just, you know, disability in a book is rare, but seeing something like that where, it actively causes him problems every day depicted in a book without it being a superpower uh -huh. is ridiculously rare. And I think this is the only time I have ever read a book that talks about just general joint instability. Like, I don't think I've ever, ever read another book that has somebody pictured in a book that I can go, oh, that's how I work. Great. I'll <laughs> like, let you know if I come across another one. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's it's funny because it's for it's for very different causes. Like I did not intentionally pop my own joints out. So here's the thing. I super definitely relatable. interpreted this as he has something um, structurally similar to what you have. And his dad just trained him to take advantage of it. I don't think... I didn't understand the implication to be that he's only doing this because his dad taught him and anyone could have. Oh, no, I'm I don't know which way that leans, but I would also like to point out that you are related to me. This is true. And so somebody who doesn't necessarily think, oh, yeah, human beings can just exist with this problem. I know, it might not read that way. I frankly assumed that the author knows that this is a thing that can happen and put it in the book. That's how I read it. Um, because, of course, someone like Newt's dad would take advantage of it. The mm -hmm. way the author has chosen to write this character. Like, absolutely, exploiting one more thing. But yeah, there, I, I'm, I'm glad that Newt starts the book, like, knowing what to do to take care of his joints. But it also, like, he... he mentions in his narration that he knows there's 
gonna be a day where he's gonna break and he can't go back <laughs> and that scares him yeah um and so with like the it this as being part of the way he was abused by his dad with his dad like making him do this thing even if his body naturally was inclined in this direction and i think it would have to be otherwise this wouldn't work um even if his body was already set up to do this his dad training him and making him do it is accelerating the deterioration and he knows it um so. And and es- and especially Newt was the more fragile of the group. Not not oh, yeah. even not even just because of this. I I, I don't necessarily want to call it like a deformity, but this. Uh, I just call it the joint. It's thing. a disability. Yeah, it is a disability. A, a disability. That was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's not even just because of this disability. It's his personality in general. He is the most frail of the group. And it so the fact that his his parent did kind of force this upon him and force him to keep using his disability for, you know, nefarious purposes or whatever you'd like to call it, um, it it does kind of, you know, lead you to to think that absolutely, you know, that's a that's a form of parental abuse. um, Mm -hmm. And it's. You know, he just he just got the raw end of the deal there. Yeah, and I think I think what you said about his emotional state is is something because he's definitely the one in the group who is upfront about not being okay. Mm-hmm. But like Alice is having chronic panic attacks and pretending she's not. Yep. Casa is about point point two percent of a width of a hair from <laughs> falling apart forever <laughs> the whole book i uh, i love that fly like, by the seat oh of your pants gosh. like oh my god could you yeah. imagine living like that just oh man literally and making also, things up as you go along well i mean and she even says i make it up as i go along because if i think it through i'm gonna fall apart like she says that at one point to Alice is basically like, I need you to make plans for like good plans because I can't handle doing it. I don't have the emotional ability to 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 do that because it's too much. It's it's overwhelming. It's it's so funny because Newt is Newt is the one who is like, hey, I'm not OK, guys. And everyone else is like, <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> yeah. Not me at all. I promise. and none of those kids are doing all right and yeah but also- at the same time and sorry to interrupt but newt did hide his feelings a lot of the time too oh oh yeah absolutely no they all hit stuff but i think newt was um like it it mentions how like he's physically smaller than the others um, yeah he's at least physically smaller than evander and it means <laughs> that um like they also like the thing some of what he has going on is more physically obvious so like Mm. everyone is tired and stressed newt just dislocated stuff in his hand like if there's something it's more it's more obvious that something is going on but also he doesn't talk to them about his dad like he tells us the audience about it but he he doesn't talk to them about his father 
he doesn't. Like, he doesn't talk to them about how his father abused him. Even when, when they already hate his dad for what he did, I don't know. It feels like he doesn't think there's more room for him to talk about how he was hurt by his dad, too. Because so much of Cass's view of it is that Newt's father hurt everybody else. And if his father also hurt Newt, then that, at least early on before the book starts, would have complicated Cass's ability to hate Newt for being his father's son. <laughs> um, yeah, like I can't hear about you actually being a victim also because then I can't treat you because you badly? have this, Because you had this cushy life because of your father's betrayal. And Newt's like, yeah, he was busy like uh, abusing me and making me be... A uh, super spy dislocation boy, uh, and that hurt. And Cass is like, but, but the revolution. <laughs> this week in Beneath the Citadel, the children of the rebellion struggle against all of the forces of prophecy to carry on their parents' legacy. All right, on to memory loss. So this has like plot and structure mechanics that are all built around memory loss and it is one of my favorite things in this book it also messes with the characters and causes a lot of uh <laughs> trauma for them um but it's like a slippery insidious kind of trauma because like a lot of times what they're left with is n sometimes Knowing that something's gone, but not quite knowing what it is, but a feeling like it mattered. And then other times, they have no idea anything was taken. Um, that is an interesting mechanic, because it, it feels... At, at first glance, looking at that, it feels just like plot convenient. Like, well, if they should know for plot reasons, then they can tell. But, but like reading through it, I was actually watching that pretty carefully... Because I, that was my immediate thought was, is this just convenient? But it feels almost like memories that they know are missing are the ones that have strong connections and implications on other memories. Mm -hmm. And the things well, that they don't notice are kind of more isolated or they were taken out whole cloth. Right. So like when Newt has most of his happy memory take memories taken in one of the most heartbreaking scenes yeah um it's like he because a lot of what was taken was like happy memories with a vander but not the memories of how much he liked a vander and wanted to be right. with a vander right um it left kind of like the scaffolding in place for him to be able to like put in new memories but also it, it seems like there's some threshold at which if you take this level of memory it doesn't change who the person is it just changes what they can acts like how easily they can get to certain emotions because if you have almost no happy memories it's going to be harder to like feel happy but there there's like canonically some point at which you're just not there anymore because that's one of the ways that um solon is attacking people um and like killing them is just stripping them of everything and like it mentions that you know they can people who have been attacked in this way could be maybe taught to feed themselves but they can't get words back like 
Well, and and the opposite even almost. Well, when Vesper takes in other memories. Solon, who takes in everybody and is stealing everyone else's memories, is almost losing himself as a person the other direction where he has so many people inside him that he doesn't have any emotional grounding anymore. It seems like he he wants what he has been shown will happen. And yeah. that's it. That's all he has. That's room it. That's his for. whole everything. Yeah. Um the like it's I was thinking a little bit about like just kind of wondering like oh what's going to happen to what's happening to all of these people who just can't take care of themselves anymore and it's not it's not like there are you know real world disabilities where like we know that the person has more in them than they can express and they might need help with things that's very different from what's going on here where like canonically everything was pulled away and it's probably closer to them being in a vegetative state than it is to um, a person with dementia. Like, if you're looking to, like, what's going to be a little bit of a closer analog, um, it's like, yeah, they could move, but the blacksmith, it, he is doing nothing. He He's basically in a coma because he can't... There's nothing there to reach for anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I Well and and something that isn't even addressed in the book that just occurred to me is we see just a tiny fragment of how devastating it is to have a family member or a friend or someone you care about who is kind of reduced to almost a vegetative state. Yeah. Um but that's not other than this brief glimpse of that it that it that it would push someone to to try and and restore this person and care for this person we don't see this explored at all <laughs> it's almost this fridge horror of like of of those people oh no there are hundreds of these like oh, more you, you know even. but it doesn't show us yeah yeah we we don't even know how many and how many people die because mm-hmm. they live alone or they and their family have been have been had this their whole everything. Well, and all of their functionality it. just taken away from them, and then they just they just starve in their home. Like we don't even know, but you can you can think of the repercussions of that just spiraling. Well, I think, yeah, and like Mira taking revenge, it's because like her father was targeted. Speci- well. It's unclear whether he was targeted specifically, but once it happened, she was blackmailed specifically. And so that has a little bit different of a path than just all the people he's randomly siphoning memories from because, like, they don't know who's doing it. They don't have any, like, direction to look to to get it back. Um, But Mira is offered this chance and then... It's it's not even a real chance he's not trying to help her. He he doesn't care. He was just using her desperation to get her father back in order to get what he wants. And but I one of the 
things that I liked in the way characters are shown is um, we don't know how how much Vesper's uncle does or doesn't feel like a different person when Vesper has taken the memories he's offered her. But Vesper feels like he's a very different person. He feels like, but it's not a person unlike himself. It's more like before he had the experiences that are bound up in the memories that she's taken. So he doesn't become like not him. He becomes a different version of him that normally would be inaccessible because of time. And I like that. I like that it doesn't treat it like pull the wrong, pull the right memory and someone isn't themselves. It's what's left is still them. Yeah. And even with, um, uh, with Newt, you know, he's lost the memories of kissing Evander, but what's left is Newt who really wants to kiss Evander. Like, he doesn't, <laughs> like, that's still there. And, um, I, I, I really did like that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of kind of fridge horror implications with this book. Um, like, this, the world that they're in is really awful and really dark. And the story focuses on a couple very specific ways that it's awful and dark for the people living in it. Um, and it shows us, you know, this one example with the blacksmith and the way the main characters sometimes lose and sometimes get back their memories. Which I, I love that whole concept of, Oh, I'm going to take your memories real quick, real quick, but I promise I'll give them right back. Uh, <laughs> like, I promise I'll handle them yeah, back unharmed. You know, I swear. Or like, I, while I'm searching for certain memories, I have complete access to your mind. That was, that oh, yeah. was really interesting because the whole, you know, a whole plot thread was that the whole plan can become unhinged because they have to sell this guy some of their memories. Um, Gaz, correct? Uh, you know, they had uh-huh. to sell Gaz some memories. And while he had, while he was in there, he had free and complete access to their head. And that, yeah, you know, he, he could have easily just taken without telling. Which is another, you know, again, like they didn't really, uh, the the author didn't really build on that, but she she did imply that this is something that could happen, and then as as uh I, I as someone was saying earlier, um, you you could eventually lose yourself in the process, and who knows how many people are out there that have actually lost themselves to losing too many memories even without solon as a thing yeah like at a lower level that's gonna be randomly happening to people oh my goodness i just realized affairs are gonna go very differently in this world yeah um yes affairs and cheating (laughs) i don't remember Uh, it happening i promise (laughs) oh no yeah no, I bet, because Gaz would totally do that. He would totally take the memory from someone if they, like... That's a good side hustle. Did, you know, wanted it to be... Oh, oh my goodness. 
there's that's yeah, not even a, his side he makes his living selling harming to the people by memory lo- like that's not even a side hustle for him that's just his main advertisement on his door his- <laughs> like i will help you hurt someone else yeah, here true. This yeah, is true. All and I then he about. also sells it to the Citadel for a, an even higher price point. And yeah. Uh, good business. <laughs> also that, like, poor people buying rich people... Uh, sorry, rich people buying poor people's happy memories. Oh, so my gosh. So that the poor people maybe don't get their happy memory back. It's unclear how Gaz works. Because he can give it back and then still pass it on to someone else because he never loses it. Yeah, which is an interesting mechanic. Yeah, well, I like that mechanic. Oh, I, I'm not saying it's bad, just... Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> this week in Beneath the Citadel, the children of the Rebellion struggle against all of the forces of prophecy to carry on their parents' legacy. All right, on to death and the specter of mortality. Uh, all right, so the dead parent count. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Have, um, Cass's parents... Newt's mom. Um Countless well, other people. <laughs> countless other like everyone everyone in the revolution. Oh, um Oh no. What's everyone in the revolution, yeah. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Oh, uh, Mira. Well, I mean Yes. Because the, the Mira's yeah, cause, parents are right, dead. Because the the blacks like her mother is not around. Or no, not Mira. I'm sorry. Why. Uh well, well yes, Mira, but also Vesper. Vesper's parents. Vesper, yes. Yep, Vesper's parents. Oh, yeah, because he's her uncle. Yes. Oh, I didn't even think about that. No, 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 her parents are alive. She's just not are with them. Are they? Yep, they're alive. They sent her away. They think she has. she's just working for her uncle oh, okay, in a different part then. of the city. I definitely thought she was an orphan. Nah, because she's not, like, they're not active in her life right now, but it, she talks about how, briefly about how they think she's doing something other than what she's doing. Gotcha. I think I have that right. Anyway, uh, so there's there's a lot of death. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of um, death of self via memory loss, which may or may not then be followed by like literal final death when they like don't get their memories back and then die because they were in a coma and you can only do that so long. Very, very similar to being in a coma. Um, yeah, basically being in a vegetative state. Yep. Yep. <sighs> so. Uh, Which, you know, a lot of that can, you know, a lot of people would say that, you know, that could be a fate worse than death is, you know, to be alive but have no functionality. Um, but one thing I did find is that, you know, Cap... Casa had to deal with death early. Um, and then mi- minus a couple of other characters, no one really had to deal with death until ultimately Casa's death, which I thought was really good storytelling on the author's part because, you know, Casa learned how learned the impact of death early and how it can impact others and impact self and she ultimately she learned that lesson early and her part of her destiny was to teach others that lesson and she tries to deal with it by saying that she's immortal when people are like cassie you're not immortal she's like i'm not wrong yet and then (laughs) 
I, you know, since, you know, all this was chosen by the author, I did like that the character who was like, "Mm, nope, I'm immortal, I'm not wrong yet, especially when Cassa, like, can't stand to be wrong, like, isn't okay being wrong ever, is then finally the most wrong and accepts it because she, when she takes the poison, she she knows that it's poisoned. She knows Mm -hmm. and she does it anyway. So she accepts that she's going to be wrong about being immortal and goes through it anyway. Um, It's how, like, you know, there isn't enough space in that short scene to make that point extremely explicitly. But, like, to me, like, that's the implication of it. Um, Also, it would have felt, like, uh, very bad and explainy for it to be, like, trying to say (laughs) all that right then. Um, but all the pieces are there. Like it's, it's set up that she's not okay being wrong and figuring out that like someone can have a different point of view and that doesn't make them horrible. Like that emotional journey with Vesper is really, really hard for Casa. Yeah. And she gets there finally. And then, and then part of finishing that journey is that finally admitting she, you're wrong? Yeah, but she she wins by admitting she was wrong, basically. I um, I would like to point out and not make and not making the same mistake twice. Yes, yeah. I would yeah. like to point out that we've mentioned in topic one, Cass's almost suicidal like recklessness. Mm-hmm. I don't think this was a denial of her own mortality. I think she didn't want to talk about the fact that she didn't care. And I don't think this was my personal view of this is I don't think this was a switch. I think this was literally her going, okay, great. My time to go. Bye. Maybe. Because leaving any earlier than that would have been unacceptable because the things weren't done. Yes. Well, and also leaving any any earlier would have required her to do something to... Like, this is the first moment we see in the narrative where if she dies, she's not... She doesn't take her whole team with her. This is the first... Like, she literally goes by herself to go drink poison to ensure the other person dies. She doesn't have her team. The rest of fair, the thing, if she gets to be caught, fair, when she caught. goes alone, she doesn't know that she's going to have to drink it. But in that moment, well, no, but she, she knew does, she, she knew alone. planning it though is the thing. She didn't Did know she- in the moment of action, but she had the memory of this being a plan. Well, no, no, she knew that she she knew that she had, or a maybe she knew the entire it. time. I, I'm saying she knew she had the po- she knew that she had poisoned it, and then that memory was removed. But I don't, she didn't know that when she got down there, he would make her drink it. That's all I'm saying. She well, didn't know but, that she would have to drink it. But yeah, see, but she I, did I go read by it as she did know she would have to drink it because otherwise, like, that's the logical, how is he going to test it and make sure it's safe? Yeah. Like, I assumed that she knew, which was part of the memory that was taken. No, because we see, oh. we see the whole memory and it. But to, we, to, I mean, it, it's, mean I don't know. think it matters a lot either way because she still went by herself so that the risk wouldn't be on anything on anyone right. else. But I, I'm just um, saying, like, it fits with 
her. She didn't go down character. there going, "I'm going to take poison." But I think no. You're but she right also didn't go she... down there like, "I'm going to live through this." <laughs> this is true. Like, no, she absolutely was like, "No, this. He's either going to kill me, or I'm, or they're going to kill, or the Citadel is going to like." There's yeah. no. That was a suicide admission inherently, and I I just don't think it was a character change at all i think that this whole time she's been pretending she thinks she's immortal because then when she's reckless she doesn't have to talk about it being fine eh, if that makes but, sense like but also that was how i read it part of her arc is realizing that she can be wrong and yes i mean oh yeah absolutely is- i'm not but i think those are separate things oh, okay that's my that's my argument all right that's that's hard. The, <laughs> you know, one thing that we we haven't mentioned uh, at all is Evander's blood bond, mm, which true. that whole process was basically, you know, he and he even admitted in the book that he had no idea when he went to go make that blood bond if he was even a suitable candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just did it out of the sheer necessity to save his family and or to help support his family. And so he, in a way, had already come to accept death, yeah. but then was retaught was retaught that lesson because he didn't actually die. Yeah, that's true. He definitely went in like, who knows if I'm compatible? We'll see what happens. Wish me luck. <laughs> Ready, go. Yeah. <laughs> And there's also a difference between being okay with the idea of your death and being okay with the idea of your loved ones dying. Because depending on the person, it's it's a very different thing to picture that the world will go on without you in it and picturing what your world would look like without someone in it who's important to you. And so Evander was willing to accept that the world might go on without him, but didn't had never paused to think what it could look like without Casa. So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics, but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci-fi, fantastical action, heart-wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So check us out at certainpov.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Dare. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and if you would like to join Dare in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Thank you. This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Dare. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and if you would like to join Dare in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Dare. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and if you would like to join Dare in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. This week in Beneath the Citadel, the children of the Rebellion struggle against all of the forces of prophecy to carry on their parents' legacy. On to the wrap-up and ratings for our gratuity rating for the child abuse. What do we think? I would argue that this is definitely severe. Um, 
the reason I think it is severe, I think it is, I think it is backstory and severe. Um, but I'm I'm arguing severe because kind of actually, as we kind of talked about off of the recording before this before we started, things like dislocation of joints can make people cringe just cringe, uncomfy. You can get a very visceral reaction um, because it it you can even get like almost like phantom pain. <laughs> I've had people, you know, people will literally say like, no, this made my bo- my joints hurt and it's not happening to me. So I would argue that reading what happens to Newt is is going to kick it up to severe levels for some people. Um even if that's not necessarily the case for everybody. So this might be a your mileage may vary thing on this, but um, my my argument would be backstory and severe when we when we deal with Newt's joint issues. Uh, I would say Newt's backstory is severe, but the joint issues, at least for me personally, it's a sound more so than like, like reading it isn't, as, is it not as bad? Yeah, it's not as bad like reading, oh, the net cracked, you know, but when you physically hear it, that's oh, when yeah. you get the like, ugh. <laughs> but yeah, so. But I would also leave space for there being a lot of people who can hear the sound in their mind when the description is on the page. So mm. I think since the it is describing this the most severe that you can describe this, I think. Like it goes, it has like, Fair amount of detail. Uh, I'd say either moderate or severe. Yeah, and, and, and I think it all stuff. ultimately determines on how the reader can picture and yeah. hear things in their own mind. Uh, so I'm going to put down backstory slash severe slash your mileage may vary. Yeah, mileage may vary. It's not an official category, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you might be okay with this, but it we does We try not to say... We try not stuff. to say, well, it depends all the p- time. Yeah. Of course it does. But but this is one of those get- weird ones where, I mean, I, I I said, like, I don't see this kind of thing depicted in books very much. So it's it's harder to look at this and say, like, no, this is an experience people know how they'll react to. Absolutely. If that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as I mentioned, in reading it, you know, I, I clearly knew what was going on, but... Right. It wasn't as severe as like hearing someone in real life, you know, the of, yeah. 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 <laughs> Makes sense. Um, moving on to memory loss. How do we feel about this one? Oh, this is severe. Just straight up no no holds this, barred. This, this is severe. Um, especially like um a couple like the thing that I said was the one of the saddest moments in the book, that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this is severe. It's got it's got a lot of detail. It explores a bunch of different facets of it from different angles, and most of them are sad. Um Yeah. I one thousand percent agree. Uh, uh um, in a probably equally easy to call <laughs> yeah, How oh, do we yeah, feel death about is... death and mortality? The death is is severe. Yeah. I think the care rating on this is going to be interesting, but like, yeah. you know, the the death is severe. Uh, yeah. Just all of the death. There's a lot of <laughs> all, them. all of the death. 
implied and on page yeah yeah and just yeah yep all right is this trauma integral interchangeable or irrelevant for the child abuse um the systemic stuff is integral to the plot yeah a lot of the newt's stuff i would argue is also integral because he just he makes plot things happen Right. With his skill set that would not exist without his specific physical trauma. Yeah. Yeah. But I I think there's there's tiny bits of it that could be interchangeable, but like so much of it is integral, I think. Um I I, I agree, but also with new this could have been a one hundred percent self taught skill. That oh, true. And, that's very thing. true, and and and, and could have oh, yeah. still been I- integral to the plot, um, in order to imp- so it maybe didn't need to be traumatic. It didn't necessarily oh, need yeah, to be traumatic, but that helps create more empathy with the character. Yeah. He could have been like inspired by the revolution and like just hated his dad or something. Like it didn't have to be. Um, all that other yeah. stuff. It wasn't so, necessarily integral, maybe- but it did make it better. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so Newt is interchange. Newt's stuff is interchangeable. The rest of it is pretty integral. Like, you couldn't tweak it much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then memory the- loss. It- this memory is the whole, loss. this is part of the whole fabric of this city's this is the society. Point of the it- so... Yeah, it's one thousand percent integral. Cannot be changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and death. Death is. Uh, I think it's integral. Um, I would. I think hmm. some some individual deaths. Yes, maybe were interchangeable. I was. I was going to argue a very similar, almost similar to what you just said, Christian, about Newt. Uh, in that I think the deaths as as a whole in the culture are integral, but specific things didn't necessarily have to, like, could have been omitted in theory. Uh, absolutely. But it, but it, as a whole, as I mean, a whole, the concept is... is definitely integral. Uh, well, and yeah, I and death is just a part of everyday life. You know, um, it it it's such yeah, it it's such a a lazy storytelling if you're like and all the characters are immortal and no one can die you know like like <laughs> well yeah but there's there's a difference between um i mean it's like uh any book set on earth probably technically has horses if they've evolved yet yeah. but it doesn't mean that horses are always relevant to your book if that makes yeah, sense to- and so i think for this one this particular story Death is extremely important to the premise of the book, even if all it was was backstory. The backstory of those deaths drives the main characters having the reasons to do what they're doing. Yeah. And so I think that this is integral if you wanted to switch around exactly who died, like, okay, at that point, it's the equivalent of having renamed a character because like, oh no, a different character we didn't know before starting this book had the backstory that would have been this other character. Like, 
yeah, technically that's different, but not meaningfully. And so to me, I think this is integral because the only ways you could swap it out would be ways that aren't really changes. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm definitely arguing it is integral. I just think it is worth noting that I, th- I think part of the hard part is uh, with all three of our topics for this week, we have a cast of people we are talking about. We don't have individuals right. this time. And so it is a little bit harder to look at it and straight up say, well, this is integral to the plot because, you know, Christian, you're right about like Newt's Newt's trauma didn't have to be traumatic. But if you look at our our child abuse as a whole, if we took that out of this book, it is not the same book. So it's integral. Uh, death. There are certain deaths that could have been omitted but if you took out all of the death, this story is doesn't even have a premise to start with. Absolutely. So it, it's it's a weird. This is a weird. This is a weird book. This is a weird episode because we are talking about like a like I said, like a cast of characters instead of individual people, which we don't normally do. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've done it before, but it's not our usually for like one topic. It was a time. very yeah. It's not yeah. our our mode of operandi. It was a very character driven book, but there were. A lot yeah. of characters. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Um. All right. So I think we said it on that was integral. Uh. All right. Trauma treated with care. The child abuse. I think. Oh, this was. It was either care or enough care. I'm heading towards care. Um. Like. Yeah. I think. I even want to. I agree, and I think part of the reason I I agree as strongly as I do with that statement uh, is actually, um, Christian, what you had said about wishing that more of the implications were kind of delved into and, like, fleshed out in the world, Mm -hmm. them being omitted takes this down to a level where you could hand this book to a much younger, a much less mature reader, and they would still be fine to to read it's it. It's definitely meant that, to reach a broad audience. A lot of yes. those omissions. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and 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 I I think it's funny because a lot of times Robin and I read these books and we're like, okay, well here's our opinion, and then, but with this one, like you came into this discussion going man, we didn't really talk about all of the bad th- things. Yeah. And, like, and like, it, it really highlights that. It, it was funny that you came in to, with that, you know, kind of stated up front, like... Oh, I'm opinionated. You were already thinking about that. <laughs> but no, I, not even... I'm just saying, like, that's a thing that you were already thinking was, this book did not delve into these things. Oh, absolutely. And we're like, so. yeah, it didn't for reasons. But but you're right that it didn't. Yeah. Um, well, well yeah. and I think that was the ultimate goal of of the author was to reach mm-hmm. the biggest audience possible. You know. Um, oh yeah, this is this is very YA with they're terrible, awful things happening. But we want twelve year olds to read this and be okay. Absolutely. <laughs> like right. <laughs> totally. It's, it's the kind of thing where you could be like, oh. Like you, where you could like think about these a little bit, and there is a lot of like really traumatic stuff that happens in this world, but it wouldn't uh, leaving it, a lot of room to build 
into the world with a bunch of different stories from different perspectives some darker some brighter some or or Mm. even just that like a story can be traumatic without being every kind of traumatic and but also without implying that the that the trauma shown on the page is the only trauma in this world and i think this did a had a really good job of balancing that um okay so the child abuse truth care memory loss i'm gonna say uh enough but there are um the after effects of this and especially the way it gets wielded against people has parallels to things like dementia and vegetative states and comas and like all this kind of like real world stuff that people might be dealing with and it's it is so close to those that i'm gonna say enough but please take care of yourselves because it's it's a magical analog but it yeah the mapping is really close yeah if this had showed our our memory loss sufferers more on screen in day-to-day lives this would not have been this would not have been enough care mm-hmm. i think yeah but it but it doesn't yeah it, it, so but it also doesn't let you forget that there are effects oh yeah no it does not for a minute let you forget right. that this is a world mechanic <laughs> but it's not like dwelling constantly on it and i think that balances well good. it's a it's um, it's almost like a horror element you know yeah right that's what i was saying yeah. like fridge horror so um so fridge horror is this, uh, it's a term for the, the trope where it's the stuff where when you're consuming the piece of media, you might not necessarily think a ton about it, but when in the middle of the night you go to get a snack from a fridge, you're like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's, that's so much worse than I thought it was. So this has a lot of that. So like while you're reading the book, it wouldn't necessarily like make you think about it, but later on you're like, Oh no, that affected hundreds of people. That's so bad. Yeah. Um, that's the fridge horror of it. You're right. Like it absolutely has like this this bad stuff that's in there. Um and then for death. Um I think either enough or not enough. It's not purely yes or no. I don't I think. think it was I think it was handled um with enough care. It especially towards you know the end it was very beautiful death well and we got to see characters processing at the end Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which we get aftercare yes oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah like the last couple of chapters are aftercare from different characters perspectives yeah like we we get everybody dealing with things afterwards so that yeah i think definitely is enough care but um there's yeah there this is one of those where there there was so much death that if it had straight up been like yes then that might mean that the topic didn't have enough gravitas yeah in the book yeah i can Um, see that all right speaking of points of view uh point of view for the child abuse um, for, I think, actually, think for all three of these, for the most part, so we have, like, our, our cast of main characters when the point of view rotates between them, and I think for the most part, we get the point of view of the person in the scene who is most affected, pretty uniformly. Um, 
I would agree with that. Like, yeah, it's very much. This is not a book where topics. you read about someone watching it happen to other people. It's definitely anything, a book where you read about them experiencing it. And then even with like, we often, if both of the people involved are one of the points of view characters, we'll often get, I we might get one of them while it's happening and then the other one thinking about it later. Like there's a yeah. lot to make it clear that even with the same stuff happening, they didn't all think about it in the same ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lots of points of view. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The one that I wish I had gotten that we didn't get that I think would be fascinating uh, would be Vesper's uncle. Um, because so I guess oh. we, we get we kind of get the equivalent of that with Casa as someone who like. Uh, I guess actually a newt too. Like I... there's several of them where we end up with you have a memory and then you don't have it anymore. And like the narrative plays with that in really cool ways. I was going to say. Vesper's so uncle, we, the one scene that I would have loved to see his point of view is when he didn't have his memories. Yes. I would have loved just I'm not gonna say anything else about that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but spoilers. that would have been the funniest. It just how how would he even be navigating the political decisions he is making? With just no memory. Well, but it's not that he has no memory. It's that he has no specific memories. Yeah. So he's still functional. He's a fully functional person and just is, it, yeah, it, I, I would have loved to see that scene as just, what is he thinking right now? <laughs> like, what is going on? That would have been very good. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh but it, but it, I, I will say this: without seeing his part, it's still a very good scene. So you know, it, it doesn't cheapen it at all that we get somebody else. But that is the one time where I'm like, man, I would love to know what you're going through right now. Yeah. All right. Um, for the aspiring writer tip, does anyone have one? I think Christian uh, has one. <laughs> The flashbacks for me, because, you know, we talked a little bit about this off pod, but, you know, I think we all agreed we really liked the flashbacks. Um, But for me, it just got to where the the author felt too reliant on them. And then we maybe this is a stretch comparison, but have either of you watched Arrow, the old CW superhero show? So it was told through flashbacks and so it would be like part of it was present day and then part of it was flashbacks. And then the series got to a point where the flashbacks had caught up to the series and so then they started to do flashbacks that like didn't really relate to anything. And that was where Uh I felt like the book got to. Where you had really good, really productive flashbacks and then you got to a point where it didn't need flashbacks anymore, but it had already kind of done them. So then you got yeah. some unnecessary flashbacks. See, that was kind of how I felt, too. Like, the in the beginning, maybe for about the first third to a first half, the flashbacks were great, and they felt like they were fleshing out what was going on. And then we get to, like, 
some of the later ones where it was like, okay, but we've been told already what happened happened in this this and now you're showing it to us. And so it felt like, yeah, it it felt like I I had like this mental image in my head. I I didn't need to be physically told it. I've already figured it all out throughout. Beautiful job. Exactly. Like the author did this beautiful job of show of having us get it. And then they were like, oh, just for good measure here. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah. So even the, I guess maybe to turn that into a writing tip, in a story with flashbacks, it's okay to, it's really okay to just have some stuff be backstory. Yeah. yeah you don't have it's to flesh everything out. Absolutely. And right. uh, something that that I had said to you guys when we were setting this up, like, um, I I honestly would have loved to keep all of the flashback scenes. But if those had been like the setup mm-hmm. for the rest mm-hmm. of the story, like if it was almost like jump cuts as a as a story beginning almost, yeah, um, that would have felt less like it was interrupting to to retell me something because then it would have just been I've seen the scene and now they're referring to it and the characters are realizing things about it instead of it being the characters are realizing things in a way where I piece it together and then I see it later. Yeah, um, but I also realize that that's purely like a. I'm not sure if that's totally a writing tip because that's just a a thing that my brain would have preferred better. Maybe, uh, you know, I I did I love the flashbacks, but you know, it's it, I, again I felt like maybe we got to a point. All right, favorite non-traumatic thing about the book, Christian? What was yours? My favorite non-traumatic thing about the book was the blood bonding. Um, I felt while we did get some exploration into it, I honestly could have had an entire book from the blacksmith's perspective of just all the different people that came in and what they were bonding and why. Yeah. That that was just such a interesting concept to me. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Uh, Robin, you want to go next or last? last okay uh mine is trauma related but uh the i think my favorite non-traumatic thing about this book was well my favorite not explicitly traumatic thing about this book um was that newt has the similar same joint issues that i do and I have literally never seen that in literature until yeah, this that moment. Would, yeah, that would be. Um, and the author had Newt come up with the same solution that middle school <laughs> me found worked. So that was cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I can verify that that is a valid <laughs> way to handle this because. I wonder if she. I, I, I wonder that. if she has any uh, connection to that disability. To, to that That's disability a good in any way because you know if to to know yeah. such a little niche solution like that you would have to you would have to yeah. be close to that experience i mean well it's also it's, what sensitivity readers are for to that's, like that's true so you say like hey plot wise i'd like something like this is that really a thing oh good it's really a thing <laughs> let me get somebody who has that thing to make sure yeah, that i absolutely. wrote it correctly I like, mean, and and let's be real, it's entirely possible that even if she doesn't herself 
have anything that would cause this. If you Google EDS, which is not a thing I am diagnosed with, by the way, it just happens to sometimes overlap symptom wise. And you look at people you can see like who have this this problem. The thought of what if you took a bandage and just helped it stay in place? Like that's not a wild assumption. Uh, right. As evidenced by 11-year-old me coming up with the same solution with no outside help. Like, you know, that's not that's not a wild thought. Um, but that would actually be that would actually be interesting to to see if the author uh has any lived experience with this. I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, that was my favorite thing was that I I have never I have never seen a character in a book with this before. Uh much less one with a practical real-world solution to dealing with it. So, yep. <sighs> trying to think. I the problem is my favorite thing was how it handled and depicted the memory loss, which is a traumatic thing. Um, trying to think. Um. Ah. Uh, okay. No, I know what it is. Um, the depicting people, teenagers who are still friends after a relationship is over. Um, As of when I originally read this book last year, I hadn't read that before. It did a good job of it, too. It really did. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, I really... uh, Like, then the romance that happens within the book is handled really well. Like, I just... I really love all of it because I I think especially especially in a, a, a YA novel, um, like there there's so much media that's like ah the person you date in high school you're gonna be with forever and then it sets kids up to feel like failures when like that doesn't happen and so showing something that isn't we're in love forever or I hate them because we broke up yeah like, showing that. I think is like really, really good. And I I loved how it was handled here because there were reasons that they were friends and then they, they got together and it's okay that they're not together anymore. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you are literally just better off as yeah. friends. Yeah. And also that it doesn't give us a very specific reason for why. Like I have a theory, but like it doesn't tell us exactly why. Like specifically it doesn't because you don't need the reason why it's enough that they, as the people in the relationship, decided mutually that they were better off as friends. And I just, I love that whole thing. Um, For the, ah, I guess that's all the things I was going to say. Yeah, that's we everything. Have, that's um, everything. Uh, Christian, so, where can yes. we find you? Where can our, uh, our audience find you? You can find, find me at LazyGringoPod. Um, that's where, that on instagram and twitter that's where um that's the podcast and then we also have a uh, a small clothing line me and my co-host slash business partner um called lazy gringo and yeah that's the first thing if you google lazy gringo we're the first thing that pops up awesome. yes www.lazygringo.store um yeah not dot com okay. the guy who owns dot com is a just a <laughs> We'll not oh, sell you the domain yeah. name. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Uh, quick question, because this is a a clothing business. Are you a brick and mortar only? Do we you sell, sell online. online? Uh, we do not have a brick and mortar store. Um, we actually we import okay. about ninety percent of our products from Bolivia. Um, so it's it's like lounge oh, okay. pants and beanies and sweatshirts and hoodies and anything to be lazy in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Please go. Please go check us nice. out. Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, I would love to have both of you on the podcast. We typically remove, uh, review like movies or TV shows and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And thank, and, uh, again, thank you for getting me to read something. It's been a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And thank you for, for, for talking to us about this. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at BooksThatBurn at Yahoo.com. Support us on Patreon.com slash BooksThatBurn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout-out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.